Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Heil. Any questions, thoughts, or recommendations, you can feel free to email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can, unless it goes to the spam. I always put that caveat in. You can like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. And it'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. All right, a couple quick things right off the top. Sketchuator, the online sketch comedy open mic that we host, returns to Zoom on June 3rd at 10 p.m. in the East, 7 p.m. in the West. I honestly can't remember if Sketchuator was supposed to be scheduled for the first Fridays of the month or the last Fridays of the month because holidays and other things keep moving around, but it's June 3rd on Zoom. Check out sketchybater.com for more information. Friend of the podcast, Ellie Heath of Edmonton's Girl Brain. She appeared on episode 122. Just released a single called High Wire. It's not a comedy song. It's it's real music. Not that you know comedy music isn't real, but you know what I mean. You should download or stream the song wherever you get your music these days. And there's also a music video on YouTube which was directed by another friend of the podcast, Mike Robertson of Marvin Berry, who appeared on episode 151. The song's an absolute delight. I really dug it. Check it out. Okay, on to the rest of this episode. Montreal Sketchfest has reached its halfway point, and there's still a ton of shows I'm jealous of. Check out MontrealSketchFest.com for tickets for this weekend's shows. Today's guest is Mary Chris Rivera, currently a member of the Tita Collective, based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Mary Chris and the rest of the Tita Collective are heading to Montreal Sketchfest to perform new material on Friday, May 13th, and then their show Tita Jokes on Sunday, May 15th. Head to titacollective.com for more information on all those shows. Mary Chris's first sketch is actually a song called Tita Life Hacks. Mary Chris sings and plays the ukulele, and I do nothing because that's not my skill set. So let's go to the song. Sit down there. Yay! I want to watch Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins? No, this one's better. You watch. There are so many problems in life as you grow. I have shortcuts to make it easy, you know. From the kitchen to sickness to makeup or home, Tita has all of the answers like so. No coasters, toothpaste gets rid of water rings. No rolling pin, wine bottles can roll anything. I've learned lots of life hacks from family and friends. There's no problem out there that Tita can't mend. Ew, dust! Saran wrap everything you own. No rubber bands, use hair ties and have some to loan. If you don't have time to try pants in the store, wrap it round your neck. That's what waistbands are for. Oh, muscle cramps, use a comforter. And use fix for when you have a cold. Jokoi told me that it helps him so. It'll cure anything. Making rice? Use your finger to count water in there. There's leftover food, so you bring Tupperware. Everything's by all if you believe. No 
Tupperware. Napkins are handy indeed. No floss, just use a strand of your hair. Date night, lipstick has great wear and tear. You don't need a full kit, this is all you need. It's lipstick, eyeshadow, and blush for your cheeks. So you see, there's no problem with TikTok at Mac. If you want to be smart like me, get a bag, it will be your best friend. That's my guarantee. Just trust me. Chris. Hi. All right. So tell me where this idea comes from. Tell me about Tita Life Hacks. So it actually stems from my mom in two of uh, two very big portions of my life. My mom and uh, musical theater. So I've only really been doing comedy with the Tita Collective for the past, I guess, around four years now uh, in doing and like, you know, before being part of the Tita Collective, I, you know, I had taken some improv classes. I did improv in high school and a little bit throughout university but my main artistic pursuit when i was younger and what really resonated with me was musical theater mm. like i majored in musical theater when i was in high school and i kind of stayed a little bit more like in track with that when i like post-secondary too um like or like throughout university um but my mom has always been the one to take me and my sisters to go see musicals when we were younger. Like she loves them. And we saw so many shows when we were little. So honestly, I was a little bit surprised when she was a little shocked that I said I wanted to pursue the arts. <laughs> <laughs> no, mom, uh, you did this to me. He's like, where do you think this love came from? <laughs> Come on now. We saw Mama Mia and we will rock you at Jersey Boy so many times. You're surprised? <laughs> No, but in all seriousness, in all seriousness, I do love her. Um, she and like so with my mom. Ever since I was a kid, she's always made a big deal about like the purses and the bags that she carries, and it, you know that uh, I think it's like in Harry Potter and like the seventh book or something when Hermione has like this little bag that just seems to like have everything that you could possibly need that carries it. I swear to God, that was my mom in her purse, <laughs> so she would carry like. Uh, she just had like a bunch of like basically anything that you could possibly need like sure you had like your wallet and um that she also always like snuck a water bottle in there for whenever we needed uh any kind of like floss or kind of like makeup some stuff that i like referenced in referenced in the song and i swear to god she would also always have like ziploc bags or like a time or like if she didn't have like ziploc bags for when we went to go eat at a restaurant she would take napkins, like just like steal a bunch of napkins and then wrap up the leftover food and then sneak that food into her bag so that we would have food, well, like, like leftover food when we got home. And she, whenever it was a thing of like, she has to change her purse, like cause she would change it every few months. I remember being so like amazed, which is like, she would, you know, take everything out. And like, how on earth is all of this thing, all, all of these things, fit into this bag that's like yay big it just seems like something really magical to me but yeah, it, it was also like all the answers like she just always had it too i think that is like almost universal for moms like right 
I've also started to become like a little bit of that too. I am not a mom, but I like will now leave the house. I guess maybe this like I never did Girl Scout, so I'm just like learning from my mom to be prepared. Um, like we were in uh, I think we were like we were in Ottawa just this past weekend for the Undercurrents Festival to do a show and. You know, when you're going like on tour, we don't want to like pack too much because, you know, we have to like, we only have the amount of space that we have in the car and in the trunk. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know how, but I somehow managed to fit in this kind of like it's smaller than a duffel bag, but I guess it's a little bit taller. We ha I had all the change of clothes, a makeup bag, toiletries bag an extra pair of shoes, an extra jacket, some COVID tests. And there was something on, on like, what was the last thing? Oh, like extra like makeup wipes for the two in a bag that's like, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's not very big, but it's really, but it's really heavy. And I think one of the other teachers picked it up. I'm just like, all right, cause what the hell is in here? <laughs> it's like, this is tour. This is just tour stuff. Yeah, whenever but I go, it's like, like, contact, you know, it's when useful. I get, like go visit friends and stuff. Like I am very like anal about my list of like, I make a, a, a packing list and there's always mm -hmm. like, I try to reach that like right, right point of like the stuff I absolutely need mm. and just a little bit of stuff I might need. Yes, absolutely. Like, like yeah, so. I pack thermals. It's the end of April <laughs> turns out, but like, you know, it's also like, Ottawa it, and it's Canada. It was cold down here, so right. It's just like I don't know. You could really need like you know those extra like thermal leggings and the turtleneck. We don't know how windy it's gonna be. It ended up being fine, but it's definitely. I feel like it would be one of those things where if I didn't pack it, then you needed it. Exactly. Yeah, it's no fun. Um. Anyways, back to the song too. <laughs> so um, there's also some like things in here uh, that aren't just applicable to just like have like the bag that holds everything. There are some real like DIY scrappy uh, tips and tricks that my like that my mom and I also learned from, um, that the other titas, their parents also did a very similar thing. Um, just like all kind of falls under this like, umbrella of life hacks. So the <laughs> the no rolling pin and using wine bottles to roll things out. Uh, that was fully new I've when heard I was that in university. Sure. You know, it's like, I, I eventually got a rolling pin, but oh, my bottle's <laughs> not bad. Um, the, <laughs> there's this one here, it's the, um, if you don't have time to try pants in the store, I don't know if you've ever heard this trick, but if you take like a pair of pants, you wrap it around your neck to see if the waistband, like, uh, okay. Like if you fold <laughs> it in half. And, and go around the neck. So this is a terrible example because these pants are elastic. But, like, let's say if they were. Uh, if you hold the pants um, with, like, the waistband and it works for, like, jeans, too. Do you just wrap it around? If the ends of the pants touch each other, then it should fit. Or if, it's a, if it goes a little bit over, it might be a little bit bigger. It should fit. But then if you wrap it around and it doesn't touch, then it's too small. And then you need to get a size up. Yeah. I think I think that would make sense because if I... If I think about my waist size versus like my shirt size. Mm -hmm. It is roughly half. So right. So I guess that yeah, I guess that totally makes sense. Yeah, that's something that um, I remember being a kid and going shopping with like my mom, uh, or like even those like thrift stores. She would do this too. I mean, I was fully at a thrift store yesterday doing the waistbands <laughs> trick, thing, and it fully worked. You know, like um, and we didn't. It, 
saves us it saved us a lot of time because we never had to go in the change room to try these on. And sure enough, just as recently as yesterday, I did the waistband still did trick. It. Still did it. I tried it on when I was at home because I don't I don't think the change rooms were open. I don't know, some places are a little different with COVID and all that. Uh, but yeah, nope, still fit perfectly. So I'm like, that's a trick that stuck with me for like 20 years. Or um, there was another one here, which was like, when we're making rice. Uh, so I use a rice cooker. To make like I legitimately don't know how to make rice on a stove. Well, but I, I, I hear like um, I start watching. I don't know how I, uh, how I came across them, but there's a, a British comedian who of Asian descent. I I forget mm -hmm. if it's Malaysian or Thai. Oh, it's not Thai. It might be Malaysian. Uh, mm -hmm. Nigel Nang. Nigel. Oh, Nang. I, yeah. Uh, his uncle Roger Uncle, Nigel. Character. uncle like, Roger. Yeah, sorry. He. Like he yells at everyone about having a rice cooker. Like, yeah. so I guess that because I couldn't make rice, and it's because I I keep hearing because I, I mean I'm not a culinary person at all, but like I hear that the idea that it's like in restaurant world, it's really easy to screw up rice and eggs. Mm -hmm. Like they're the two things that like there's a window. It's a very small window. And but rice cookers do it well. Like instead of watching my eyeball to boil and stuff it's like it's just so much easier and like you <laughs> like you don't have to worry about it after it's done it just stays warm and like um i mean i don't have a rice cooker right now but we have an instant like my partner and i have an instant pot which has a rice setting so it took a just little while well. to get used to that but like <laughs> you know it works just like a rice cooker um but we always use the trick of like i never actually measure the rice or like measure the water or like the rice to water ratio uh, my mom always taught it, and I know a lot of like other Asian moms have done this too, because my partner's also Asian. He did the same thing. Lot from yeah, lots of other friends all kind of did the yeah, same. Yeah, you just put the rice, just, and then you, you just cover you it with. You cover it. You use like literally like the lines on your finger to measure. So like you go up to here if it's like one. If we need one cup of rice, if we need two, you go to the next <laughs> one. It works every time. I've never needed a measuring cup for that. <laughs> so just a bunch of like miscellaneous. Uh, like just like yeah lots of miscellaneous tips and tricks that i learned from my mom like the whole if you have like you know don't have floss li literally just <laughs> pick a strand works just as well um, that one feels a little gross to me that's fair <laughs> also i have a shaved head so that is fair yeah <laughs> it doesn't help me at all doesn't help it, <laughs> I, to be honest i don't usually use it now i'm just like okay i guess in my bag now i have floss pickers yeah i feel a little bit more i feel a little bit more sanitary uh but yeah it was just kind of like so like this song was kind of like a little tribute to both like my love of musicals because it was very um the way that this song was written it wasn't actually for ukulele for the entire song mm. uh when we first put the sketch up uh, we had the two characters who were like, like the mom and the daughter and the daughter really wants wants to watch Mary Poppins and then the Tita who comes in with all these life hacks she just kind of appears with a spotlight and a ukulele just like hello child I am here and I have some things to teach you very out of like Mary Poppins but then and that would only be like ukulele for the intro then the ukulele would disappear and then it becomes like this very Kind of coy a la Mary Poppins or like Maria from a sound Maria from a sound of music. Mm. Very like prim and proper. So like here's all these things you can do and this thing you can do. Um I also have a dance background and I know and like I did 
ballet and jazz were like an obviously musical theater for a long time so when we would do the sketch it would be very much like almost kind of like prim proper here's everything that you need um kind of element to it and then this sketch has actually grown quite a bit so we wrote uh, i wrote the sketch back in t early 2019 uh when the only kind of musical accompaniment i had was a ukulele for that intro and a ridiculously slow piano track that i put together that was like this is i know that there is a lot of words in here but this felt way too slow and like this was really awkward we did a version of this sketch um back in oh god i guess i guess it was 2020 jokes um so in september 2020 we also did a filmed version of our musical sketch show tita jokes mm -hmm. and uh this uh this sketch tita life hacks was also in that one but for the arrangement of that song i bumped the tempo up added a bunch of orchestrations to sound make it sound more like happy-go-lucky musical theater kind of thing um all i guess like very like kid-friendly musical theater and then with the help of the other teachers we all kind of punched this up together and the pov shifted to be not just the life hack set like you know not just the items in uh the bay and like in our parents purse that would come to be really useful but also it shifted to be a little more of the things that that our tita said to us growing up so it's not just the things like wrap the pants around like wrap the pants around your neck to check make sure it fits but also things like um you have gray hairs get your kids to do it or it's like you need this or, or just the whole thing of like you know you want to lose some weight or like have kids and that was like a bit or like that was a big thing that our teachers told us growing up it's just like you want to you don't want to be lonely anymore have kids do that yeah. it's fine and um we were toying along with tita life hacks potentially to be part of our ottawa our ottawa show that we just did but we just kind of like ultimately ran out of time because we had too many sketches mm. we're like let's cut this one it's a little bit of a newer one and we're thinking about repurposing it more to be even more so of like the maybe a little bit more satirical and seeing if it can be this thing where there's some really good and useful tips that are um, life hacks that our kids taught us. But there's also some things that they say that are like, you know, you don't want to like, the sun is really hot, get an umbrella and then you won't get darker, which is a real kind of like harmful thing that uh, we heard in our, that we hear in our community a lot. So I think the model of, it's cool to see how much Cheetah Life Hacks is grown and i'm curious to see where it can go in the future but i guess it's also like the beauty of sketch right yeah uh, where something can evolve and change and and you know until you put i guess out on video it's never finished yeah and i really like that i really like that about sketch like i you know i come from more of like a theater background and theater world which is very much like okay you work or you work you work 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 on this uh but then you get to tech and then like okay that's it no more changes can be done this is how it is and then you know you do the run of the shows the same way that you rehearsed it which is great and there is a lot of hard work that goes into that um but i know that sometimes when that happens when you're like okay the director says that we should do it like this so we're gonna do it 
like this, maybe there's a couple moments of improv, or maybe you'll notice that some audiences will, um, like they'll identify or they'll, there'll be like a different part of the show that hits them differently. Yeah. But honestly, since I started to do sketch with the teachers, that element of play and improv when you can, and you know, obviously <laughs> that like, but yeah, the element of play and evolving and just like the continuous punching up to see what hits is, God, it's just so much fun. <laughs> I love to see it grow, you know? <laughs> So usually I ask people like, um, you know, what was our first like fandom of comedy? But I would, I don't like since musical theater seemed to be such a huge part of your life. Let's talk about musicals. Sure. Uh, as as you were talking about like the musicals that you were seeing growing up, you mentioned three, and if I released <laughs> the video of this, you would see me do that weird puppy dog look of like one of these doesn't match with the others. <laughs> Because you mentioned Mamma Mia, We Will Rock You, and uh, <laughs> Jersey Boys. <laughs> Jersey Boys. They're all jukebox musicals. They're all based on original, like you know, previous IP. Mm -hmm. But We Will Rock You is. <laughs> oh my god! So totally right about jukebox. Like jukebox musicals definitely were like my thing. I they're like my family. It's like bread and butter. I swear. Um, his mom and Mia was partially because it's ones. easy, you know what you're getting into, you, you know the songs, like exactly. Not to say that I don't love original, like original musicals. Like, I, I'm gonna try and like hold myself back because I can go and talk about musicals for a long time. I'm a huge nerd when it comes to that. Um, but <laughs> it, like, it is odd to think that We Will Rock You was like one of the most like formative ones when I was a teenager. <laughs> we had a run of it in Toronto when I was like 13, 14, and it ran for like over two years. Yeah. And, and to be fair, okay, yeah. so it's, it's, it's one of those shows that I don't think was very successful on Broadway, mm. but it's done really well, like on the cruise ship circuit. Yeah. Las Vegas, touring, like just because it, it, I don't, I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me because why would I, but like <laughs> didn't do well on Broadway, but it had a life. Oh, absolutely. It, but it also, it's not Jersey Boys or Mamma Mia, where I, I believe they're both like Tony winning. I think, by comparison. I, I, I think that's like, we were Rocky was also very camp. And like, I, I imagine. You know, like, how can it not be? Like, if you see some of the production photos, it's supposed to be like this post-apocalyptic, like bohemian like world where bohemians are the ones who are trying to like save rock and roll or keep it or like keep that like spirit alive it's so ridiculous but um full disclosure that run in toronto had like the cheapest tickets and there was always promotions going on and my dad like loved queen like he loves queen so we knew a lot of the songs so it was really nice and familiar and i was around the time or like i was around the age that i didn't know that musicals could be songs that i knew and songs that i loved um because like who doesn't love a good like somebody to love or bohemian rhapsody at karaoke you know there's also karaoke still huge <laughs> absolutely not denying that <laughs> uh somebody to love my my uh, may still be one of my go-to karaoke songs it changes anyways so the tickets were like $30 or like cheaper than that. And it was just continuously like on sale. And it was also like a little bit of a chance for my mom to take me or take my sisters and I, or me and my cousins downtown to go see a show. 
because at least at that age, I still knew that I liked musicals and I liked theater. Um, and the fact that it was like, you know, accessible ticket prices, so we could go, like, I swear to God, I watched that production like six times because it was just easy and there was something new about it. And I was also 14 and I remember trying to convince my mom to let me get purple highlights in my hair because <laughs> that's what they look like in the show. Um, I, I do not think it is a, a well-written show by any means, but it's fun. And I also, you know, I think musicals can be a great avenue to talk about maybe like some really intense topics. It's kind of, it can remind me of like comedy in that way. And um, some of my favorite musicals are like comedic ones that are just yeah. like, I cannot believe I'm like, I am watching ridiculously inappropriate puppets right now. This uh talking about sex is like aka avenue q um so avenue q uh <laughs> yes go because <laughs> i'm i i i'm not a, like a full nerd like i can't tell you like details but i do love a good musical mm -hmm. uh, i saw a community production of avenue q <laughs> and i i love that material so much mm -hmm. but they broke the one rule that i think that show has what do they do christmas wasn't asian <laughs> yeah yeah and and this was like um no th this was like three or four years before everyone was really worried about representation mm -hmm. and i'm there in like this like community hall and they're doing and and the actress that plays christmas comes out and like that is um even, like knowing the source material immediately i'm like wait wait you guys did this like this isn't this like you completely that is like, change so the tone of everything that character does absolutely wait so still had the accent yeah oh god oh god oh god, oh god. <laughs> like i i is that I'm, show you could play around with? Not that. Right? Like, I'm I'm all for like colorblind like casting and all that stuff. But that's one you have to nail. Like, because immediately I, I, I'm gonna say like a, a light skinned black woman. <laughs> and it just it everything about her in that in the role in that show mm -hmm. just stopped for me. Like that that it, makes me feel like it'd be like the longest production of Avenue Q. Like when she was on stage, I was like, no, I can't do this. And then she disappears. And like, I forget what's on, you know, I can't off the top of my head. Like, I was like, everything else is fine. Yeah. But once but, Christmas came on stage, I was like, no, this uh, still, this doesn't feel good. Yeah. <laughs> like, there are um, a lot of productions. So I also worked on a production of Avenue Q. Uh, but I was working as a, like a assistant stage manager for it, and this was. I had a lot of like fun on that show, but there was also definitely sometimes with casting, you're like, ah, maybe that's not the right choice. And I and like knowing, the like knowing the director now, I know it's like one of her like biggest regrets. But it's also one of those things where I think it's probably around the same time that you saw that production of Avenue Q, where. It was like the thing was like, well, we have to have somebody in the role. Yeah. This person is 
as close as possible <laughs> of what we have available. I, and I was like, yeah, no, that's not a, it's, a, it's definitely not like a shining moment for that. And like, I know that with that show, you can, there's so many things that you can play around with. And there is that element of like ridiculousness to it. But maybe not that. That's like, as I said, like there's one hard and fast rule about that show and they broke it like yeah yeah like for the feel of it for the i don't know and i oh there was a i, I remember reading an article about there was another show like was it book of mormon no i want to say it was like in the heights or something oh no <laughs> like i think some high school was trying to do it or like it was something like that where the cast has to be yeah you know like of a particular when it's literally written in the script in the book that's like yes this person must be like latine or like this person must be asian like you yeah. know that's I'm not the perfectly thing you okay with knowing with. i will never be uznavi in, in the <laughs> like oh my gosh wait was that's it not the, my um, story to tell <laughs> was it the high school that was like was it a recent one because i remember seeing this thing like on tiktok of probably these, like within the last five like, years like not like yeah. super recent but like but there, I've seen some like high school productions of In the Heights that are just like, and not only is like, it doesn't look like anybody here is of like Spanish descent, but yeah, also- Yeah, Chad, like, you're doing great. But also it's like, why, why, why are you rapping about how your parents are from, from Puerto Rico and just like, no, you are a blonde, blonde <laughs> hair, blue eyed. I, and like, there's, but we're not rolling the R's. There's a little <laughs> something there. And you know, I don't want to like, you know, be, judgy because you never really know someone's heritage but sometimes like when you're watching that it's like there are no like there are no rolling r's there's none of this it just feels very like it's kind of got the energy of like <laughs> god this is like too specific but like straight white musical theater boy uh who is in a group or in a class of like one of like the few straight musical theater boys who gets all of the roles that they want because they can and just like yeah you know like i'm a guy i could play with snobby it's like there's mm. <laughs> i i that one doesn't equal the other you, you know you might want to play Uznavi and you might think it's a good role but no no it, no no let's not do that like, so what like we can leave you know <laughs> so other than you know you, mean, you mentioned seeing we will rock you so many times because it was such a, a cheap ticket what were your favorite bits of musical theater growing up oh um i'll just bring in one because i already brought it up i uh, like i said my family loves a good jukebox um jersey boards is actually the only show that my mom has seen more than more times than i have okay like she loves frankie Bell. like my parents honestly shout out to them they had great taste in music growing up we got a mix of like you know, 70s and 80s rock and roll through, like, my dad, and we got, like, Motown and things like Frankie Valley Four Seasons from, like, my mom, so we just heard a lot of really great music that spanned decades, um, and I remember this is one time, uh, so she, like, we saw Jersey Boys, a few, like, they also had a similar, like, cheap ticket deal, um, that's so that we could go see it multiple times, and then one time she just decided to go without me. It's like you've seen it enough times. I'm going to go watch it again. It's like, mom, you checked in with me about this first. <laughs> but other shows that I love growing up. Um, I think my love for musicals really, uh, it really hit when I was like in high school. 
And so I'm like, I, like, I majored in musical theater in high school, but only in, like, the last two years. I went to a, I went to, like, a Catholic high school in a very white suburb uh, of Toronto for the first two years, and then halfway through, I switched to go to the public art school next door. Yeah. Like, literally next door. Um, but, and, like, that's where I think a lot more of my knowledge around musicals were, started to, like, really open up. But um, I loved Spring Awakening when I was, like, when I was in high school, because, like, how could you not? It's, like, a really, you know, when you yourself are, like, 14 and 15, and you see this show with, like, really great music that sounds like things you'd hear on the radio, um, talking about, like, you know, body changes and, like, th weird things that are happening that you don't understand that, you know, and it's also all really angsty, and it's just, like, you know, also post- 2007 pop punk era of when everything was like angst and emo like i'm in my feelings and i'm a teenager spring awakening like fit like right into that I've, i probably was with someone in my family but like uh duncan Sheik's song like barely breathing yes 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 and they're like whatever happened to that dude one hit wonder i was like uh no he's not a one hit wonder because it's actually quite successful. he had a massive hit that was <laughs> like two and a half hours long oh yeah and it's um, still like you know, still making waves today. Yeah, and I, there's like a, I don't know, is it twentieth? It can't be twentieth, fifteenth anniversary maybe, of like there's like a documentary coming out about it. Oh yeah, yeah. On I think HBO. It's I think it I, is fifteen. I feel like it's like Leah Michelle's first visible piece <laughs> since the whole Glee controversy. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah, that's a show I've never seen, but I know like, oh, it's Duncan Sheik. That's fine. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. And like, there's a uh, there was a fantastic production uh, done by Deaf West. Like, yes, I, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, and that one. So like, I can get kind of like picky when it comes to musicals being revived. And I remember hearing that this a revival of Spring Awakening, a show that closed less than ten years before this announcement was coming on. Uh, I heard that that was like that's too soon. Like, I love Spring Awakening, but why is it getting revived? And then I realized it was a Deaf West production where. They have deaf and hard of hearing actors. They also had an actor in a wheelchair be part of it. And not gonna lie, I saw the bootleg because it was the limited run, and I couldn't go to New York then to see it. Yeah. Um, it was beautiful. I'm just like, I get it. This is like, I get why you decided to revive this specific production because just like adding that extra layer of that disconnect between children and adults, but having it done through. Deaf and hard hearing characters. I mean, sure, it's like something like 1890s Germany or whatever, but it was, but like, you know, it still hits like really hard. It was a beautiful production. I, that I still think about a lot. Um, other, other, oh, um, <laughs> oddly enough, also Legally Blonde. Great musical that was a big part of it. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so I saw Legally Blonde like right before the pandemic, too. Oh my gosh, wait, community production? I, I would say it's more regional level, like oh, okay, nice. more professional. Mm -hmm. Um, there's some parts of that song, that show I do not like. That's fair. <laughs> that that song that he sings, uh, with the the lyric "Woods, comma L," <laughs> over oh and God. over again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, it's, it's also I could so not stand. <laughs> <laughs> like in, in music, like that, like in Billy Joel's Piano Man. Mm -hmm. he, he makes a line of tonic and gin i was like no 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 no. that's not how it goes <laughs> you, 
you could have said gin and tonic and that slant rhyme would have been enough like mm. no or billy joel don't like it manipulate the rhythm a little bit so that you could still have yeah. the rhyming part with there nobody's gonna notice if you do the uh and tonic is part of the next line it's fine so when you do those weird things where you like uncomfortably shoehorn <laughs> a, <rhyme>? a difference <laughs> like i i understand entirely why it's woods comma l Mm-hmm. Like in terms of the writing scheme, in terms of like the rhyming scheme of the, of the movie, like the idea of the musical, the idea that like on a list of like, you know, on a class list, it would be last name, first name. Yeah. It just doesn't feel good to me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember they say it was like, that one is like such a big, um, it's like a big note. I remember remembering correctly because it's like, with little miss, what's comma L? Yeah. And it's like this big moment. And you're like, but it's comma yeah, it, it's Which just... comma? Like, maybe you could have just, like, with, like, I don't know, maybe, like, with something, something, an L. You could still end on L. I think <laughs> just, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's just that, that little bit of a phrase just has stuck in my craw for the last... You know, that's fair. Four years since I've seen it. <laughs> there's, like, I love musicals. There's a lot of, like, weird... There's a lot of weird shit. There's yeah. a lot of weird... Yeah, we, well, the idea that like you're in this world where people are just gonna start singing instead of just talking, mm-hmm. you have to accept that like that level of uh, you know suspension of disbelief where other things just aren't gonna make sense either. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, chip on your shoulder—that's what it's called. Okay, it was bugging me. What's that song? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I would have never thought of it because to me it's just that Woods Comma Elf song. That's fair. Like, and if for whatever reason, if I if I'm listening to you know a, a mix of musical th- things on Spotify or whatever, if that song comes on, skip. immediate skip. Yeah. But that first song from the show, the like, you know, that introduction song, that first, mm-hmm. I forget what it's that called. Oh too, my god, like you that, guys! Oh my, yeah, oh my yeah. god! Oh, that that song's fantastic. I love it. It is on my it is on my gym playlist. Like fully I feel like half of the play like half of my playlist of things like, you know, if it's songs I'm working on to like at the gym or if I'm going for like I <laughs> I don't know why I said like as if I'm going for a run. I never run. I go for bike rides, but I never <laughs> I can't do that yet. Or like I can't do that. I tried. But literally half my play playlist is just like songs for musicals because and like high oh my energy, god, it's a great one. It's high energy and there's also a little bit of that if I want to do this show one day, I have to be able to <laughs> work. I have to have breath control and be able to have my health at like a point where it's like, you know, that I could sing this. That show's really intense. They literally opened the second act with a jump rope number where you're just like, you have like a full jump rope choreo sequence in the middle of this number and you have to go back into doing like full choral harmonies and if you're the person who's leading that song it's like a big belt with a high note at the end but that song is literally all cardio and footwork like that is a hard show to do oh yeah just don't like that one song right just that song not not That's a big fair, fan of that and snap either but uh, yeah um. i can see that <laughs> personally uh, i'm a big i'm a big fan of the uh oh my god you guys and the there's something there's like the song where it's like I don't like the fact that it's just like take it like a man. Not a great, not a great phrase. But yeah. I get, I like, I get it in the context of the, I get it in the context of the show, and also in the context of like the like the source material. But there's just something really 
funny about the whole thing where like he's in this like inner has like a whole like inner monologue while she's doing all the shopping and then he's got you've got like the store clerks who are chiming in with things just like uh the sentence is like love love by this person and like the whole setting of it being like in a department store is very funny to me and there i just <laughs> you know how like the woods comma l lyric is the one that sticks out for you the one for me in that song is just like god i love shopping for guys just in such a big <laughs> dramatic way like as if it was like this big power ballad but it's just god i love shopping for guys i'm like it's so ridiculous and it's like man if you're going like the cheesy camping musical theater route you have to go like all in there is no half-assing that because mm. like, no. that's the point right no half-ass camp is just a failure of camp like right <laughs> so don't even bother but yeah, so it's weird so like i like like the real like i feel like my favorite musicals go between being like this really cheesy campy absolutely ridiculous total suspension of disbelief things like we will rock you and legally blonde and <laughs> it's like i want to say avenue king is one of my favorites but it is one that's like close to my heart because i worked on it and then the other side you have like the really dramatic shit that makes you cry like mm. spring awakening uh next to normal is a big one too that um i'm not sure if you know that one but it's a really intense musical about um about a family that's dealing with some mental health issues yeah and i'll just kind of like leave it at that and it goes it's like, like it's when it's done really well it can be really powerful like i took my mom to see a production of that show and the production that we saw in toronto was actually with like a filipino family so it like really hit home there mm. and you can see the amount of care that they put into it and it's like this is definitely like you know there's a scene there's like a very short scene where they're having dinner and they're setting the table with a fork and spoon not a fork and knife because we never use knives really <laughs> like we always just use like fork and spoon and like even seeing that like that detail was something so like yeah that's like that's like our family and my mom is Bless her heart, she's not the most emotional person. I've only seen her cry like a few handful of times in my life. Um, but she cried when we saw that show. And I was like, oh my god, something's really hit her. <laughs> and when I asked her about like when I asked her about it, um, she said it was like, you know, it was a beautiful show, and it's like, you know, I cried when I cried when this actor sang like this big song that's called like I Miss the Mountains. And I know for us, and you know, just kind of talking about like, the the topic of representation, like we were kind of talking about before. Um, it like I know the show, like I know the show pretty well. I know the song, like I miss the mountains. It's like a big eleven o'clock number for the mother who is the main character. But seeing a, but seeing, but seeing an older Filipino woman sing it, and so I'm like, oh my god, she's singing about like Mount Pinatubo or about like the mountains in the provinces back home. It just like something, something about it like hits different and also maybe it's just because you know it's a mom character and i'm seeing the show with like my filipina mom yeah and seeing how much that it hit her um because you know she loves musicals she thinks she likes the show she likes the music the one i asked her it's like oh, yeah so why do you think you cried at that it's like oh because she's filipina and it just came out of like that answer just came out of like this it's like this is my representation is important my yeah. mother who never cries this is something that really hits her and it's like ah i want more of this to happen for like everyone because that just opened up a whole new you know 
whole new conversation, a discussion about representation and like she I like I know that she saw elements of her in this character in a state like in a stage show in like a show that has been on Broadway, which I think is huge. And I'm just like, let's let's have more of that. When it's done right. Not like right. not like that Avenue Q is high situation. <laughs> Don't. Don't shoehorn something in just because you have to do the show or because you want to do the show. Let's do also, it right. like, yeah. And if you don't have the people to do the show, don't do that show. There are so many others. I could give you yeah. a list of them. Yeah, if if you do Avenue Q and no Asian women show up to the audition, you you need to uh, do something else. It's fine. Or cast a wider net, or go on like, I, I was about to say go on the prowl but that's that doesn't feel good either <laughs> i get what you mean though so like maybe you could actually maybe put some more effort into finding asian women for this Not because even. i guarantee you they're there they're out there they're there you know like, like, it's, not, it's not that hard guys <laughs> i swear um okay so we need to fast forward to totally. uh getting becoming a part of the tita collective yeah absolutely uh so you're performing working in musical theater or doing stuff you're you know that's your background you mentioned doing improv and in high school and i'm just assuming canadian improv games and that's just weird to me <laughs> like whenever i talk to people that do high school that, that did improv in high school it's just i guess it's just so a new thing to me like mm. and believe me I, I could clip together and make a full episode of me being confused about <laughs> canadian improv games fair but <laughs> um all right so how do you find tita collective how did how does this group come together Two thing so like i said i've been i had been working in theater for a few years before tita collective officially formed but the other women in the collective i've known for a long time like one of the other members belinda her and i did high school theater together so i guess like this year we've like we've known each other for more than 10 years at this point Hilariously, on the production of Avenue Q, I actually worked with another one of the Tita Collective members, actually two of them, Ann Paula and Ellie. I worked with doing some other like regional theater productions. And then Alia, I met doing a Filipino-Canadian theater production. Yeah, a Filipino-Canadian theater production. So we had basically been in each other's circles for a little bit. And there's definitely a little bit of the when you find out that there's another Filipina in the same group as you, there's a little bit that's like instant camaraderie. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, we, you get me. Like these things that I'm kind of struggling with, you also understand, like we get it. There's an immediate shorthand of experiences. Like, I mean, I mean, you mentioned it with the the piece that you wrote, like everyone's, you know, those those experiences of like every one's mom had this magic bag, like, for sure. Like, they uh, yeah. The, yeah, they had like these tricks. They was like, yeah, it's the immediate shorthand, which is really beautiful. And we had just kind of like come to a point where we were all feeling just so frustrated with the industry that we were working in. Uh, whether it was in musicals and theater and comedy, I also had done like a bit of dance too. And that's a whole other thing in of itself because like every entertainment industry has got its, has got its pros and its cons. But at the time, we were really focused on like, nobody's really giving us space it feels like we're constantly being pitted against each other for like we have room for like one woman of color or like one asian woman in this production we're like well that's kind of bullshit we don't like that 
And we were also like friends at this point too. So we kind of just gotten together to maybe commiserate a little bit about the frustrations. But then uh, this opportunity came up with, I, I'm not sure if Ali mentioned it but, like uh, in the episode with you, but uh, she had put forward a like, a pitch for like an improv show, like a Filipino improv show. And mm-hmm. it's like, hey, so there's this thing I want to do. It's going to be called Puento. It's, um, it's going to be like a Filipino folktale, like an improv Filipino folktale. And we are like, yeah, sure, why not? So like we did a, did a couple of like loose like improv game rehearsals because I hadn't, because a bunch of us hadn't really done it in a couple years at that point. At least not in like a comedy sense. Um, and then we did the show and realized like, oh my god, this is really fun. We kind of just made it. We just kind of just like made a whole story here. We kind of like, and it was all based and grounded in our culture, in ourselves, and it was also the first time we introduced ourselves as like the Tita Collective. And it was like, there's something really powerful about calling ourselves. Titas, well, for one thing, Tita means auntie. We're all all literally aunties. I have a picture of my niece and nephew literally on the wall next to me. But, um, we also realized that in our frustration in being and feeling lonely and feeling isolated as, a, as an Asian woman, as a Filipina woman, as an artist, um, it can get, you know, it can start to feel really lonely. It can start to feel really cutthroat. But when we come together, there's something that's really beautiful about that. And we realized also that we could make work that was for us, that was for, that could reflect our experiences, that could also allow us to pay tribute to the funniest people in our lives, our titas, Mm. and the ones who have so many different stories and experiences that are honestly kind of ridiculous sometimes, but they're all, and they're also really beautiful too. And uh thought like music like sketch comedy would be a great avenue to discuss that you know we love the beauty of sketch and anybody listening to this knows that sketch is really great but especially for our community that loves to laugh we also like you know there is we really like you know everyone loves to laugh but there's also some really really taboo topics and things that we can't that we never feel empowered to discuss in our families and in our communities. But when you take the avenue of sketch comedy, I mean like, hey, this is a this is a real thing, but we're gonna make you laugh while you think about it. It's a great thing. So we talk about things like queerness and intergenerational trauma and shadism and um, like the fetishization of Asian women. Like mm-hmm. these are the experiences that we lived, that we have lived with, that we also see our parents deal with. And these are some things we can't really talk about in like an open kind of discussion. But when we put it on stage as a sketch comedy show, it's like, oh my God, it's a great, you know, we'll make it like a fun little outing with the family. And it's all just like, we are so unapologetically Filipina that and like we aren't shy about maybe putting, if we wanted to put like some Tagalog words in there, some really specific, or like we wanted to get really specific about some of the experiences that we have because we also know as we talked about before with um, Tita Lipax, the more like the more specific that you get, the more it can kind of like relate to everybody too. So yeah, kind of I, I, I think that's right? something that a lot of people don't understand about like 
comedies in specificity like absolutely like you can i could i could write something like oh i went to the supermarket but if and that's okay but like i went to sobeys <laughs> like it's immediately better yeah right in a way that it's like oh i know a sobeys i've been there right like oh it's a more common experience like yeah yeah everyone like uh, and i don't know why i picked specific, like the, you know <laughs> like um because i was gonna ask and and you kind of covered it you mentioned that the, the Tita's got together as for an improv kind of show. Why the pivot to sketch comedy, considering that all five of you, from what I understand, come from different different disciplines, like mm-hmm. more strengths, more studying of other things, and not necessarily sketch comedy. Mm. Uh, so a couple different answers. For one thing, um, a lot of us are writers too. Like, uh, some of us like write our own music like have like a separate like practice as like a musician so writing like for me like my first sketch was a fucking musical theater song yeah it's <laughs> like that just seemed a whole lot easier for me and like uh um for some of like the other teachers too which is like oh like writing comes a lot more naturally versus like i'm still like i'm still kind of terrified of improv i could do it it's fun but i love i love doing improv with the teachers but there's still like sketch comedy felt a lot more Maybe like I don't know if organic is the word, but it felt like a it felt like a nice fit to do that too because also all of us had done theater at some point, right? So you know we're familiar with like the concept like you know if you're doing a play or a musical, this is the order of things. At least with sketch, it's like great, this is our this is the running order. This is how we're going about it. Um, so I think in a lot of ways, sketch felt like it fit a lot better for us and our disciplines, and we knew that. Uh, we can infuse some more of our practices in there with like elements of improv. So we have like in our in our first version of Tita jokes, there are full on choreographed numbers that <laughs> a little harder to do with improv, you know. But the second part of that question, the second the second answer to that question is we got a grant. Like we got a grant to write a sketch <laughs> show. So like okay, so wrote a grant for a sketch show. Let's write a sketch show. <laughs> I think that's so interesting um, from what I've noticed of comedy in Canada and, and talking to a ton of Canadians or the, of of doing this is that there does seem to be and, I, and there are other hurdles still too but like there does seem to be some like funding and resources mm-hmm. available to sketch comedians as artists like between, I, I forget what it was. And I, oh, it was one of the Edmonton teams, uh, Marvin Barry, I think it was, mm-hmm. where they mentioned that they got a grant that covered like most of their travel expenses when they went to other festivals. Mm-hmm. And I just glared at them. I was like, how is that a thing? Why is your country, your province, so much better at this than mine? Like... <laughs> <laughs> so, like, shout out to toronto sketch fest because uh it's through them that we got the grant it's the, i think it's the uh the sketch comedy project fund uh or the pat and tony adams freedom fund for the arts i just have to double check that to make sure i got the name right but uh that's the grant that we got to write the show but yeah i think um in recent it wasn't always like this i think it's definitely a thing and like within the past maybe five or so years that we've been able like that the perspective of comedy and theater has shifted because when you're looking at like just like pure 
comedy grants, there's like, I don't know, three. Yeah. <laughs> there's really not a lot, but um, there are more municipal grants. So, like, you have, like, the Toronto Arts Council, Ontario Arts Council, and Canada Council for the Arts. Um, and we've gotten a couple of grants with the Toronto Arts Council, but we're still very much just, like, at least for us, because we're a multidisciplinary theater collective, or a multidisciplinary collective with, like, theater and comedy under our belt. Um, we're also able to show, just like, hey, so comedy is also an art form. <laughs> it's also a great way of storytelling. And it ha there's like a lot of overlap with that. Um, and I think that shift in perspective has helped to hopefully, ho hopefully find more comedians because yeah, it's just like comedy is an art. It should also be funded. I mean, yeah. it is hard enough also to get funding out of like, like, you know, as artists in general, but I think there's been like more of like a collective shift towards that too. Cause now, um, so I also work as like a freelance theater producer and I sometimes work with like different artists who are putting on workshops or like developing some new stuff. And there is definitely, it definitely comes like as a lot stronger when you kind of infuse like comedy and theater together, which again, like there's so much overlap in there that it's a little bit easier to phrase it that way. Um, but also just the aspect of being like multidisciplinary, I know has been like a big, that's helped a lot of people in writing grant applications. And now I know that there's, I have a couple of friends who have gotten, who have gotten funding for other shows like that. And they're not, you know, a theater group or company by any sort of means. They'll come together as like an ad hoc for this one thing they want to explore, yeah. write a grant for it write a really good grant for it and kind of get funding that way um so i think like just the this is all just a long-winded way of saying that if you're really just trying to push a narrative like yo comedy should be funded too and it's one of the most like accessible art forms out there i know that's not it's a lot easier for you know if i were to talk to a friend uh who isn't part of the arts typically like asking them like, hey, do you want to go see this play that's happening at this independent theater? It's about this. So let me like, yeah, maybe. Sounds kind of cool, but not my cup of tea. Like, versus like, hey, do you want to go see the Second City show? I'm like, oh yeah, I love Second City. I want to laugh. Let's go there. It's a yeah, lot. It, it feels story. like um, comedy can take away the, I like, where if you're if you're seeing like a show that has like you know that social justice bent or something like a, a legitimate theater show like <laughs> there feels like it's almost like there's almost like homework involved yeah yeah I can where see comedy takes that away yeah. where it feels like it's you know that whole like almost like spoonful of sugar kind of thing like mm. and yeah if, if people don't want to go to a comedy show i don't trust them and i don't know if i want them in my life right so it's like you're telling me you don't want to laugh <laughs> really it's just like you want to really because like that's just gonna like it'll be a fun time you're gonna find some humor in it you like, don't want to see that mm, i don't know if i want to hang out with you yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah if you don't want to go to a comedy feel... show <laughs> i mean when it comes to things like theater it can feel a lot more like there's more of a gate or there's more of just like it's a little harder to break uh like for my friends to like you know 
they work in tech or they work in engineering and that kind of stuff. If I told them that, hey, I'm doing this, like, dramatic play at this theater, like, yeah, okay. Do I have to wear a tie for that? Right? It's like, do I, like, like, what do I wear for that? Do I need to see that? Versus, like, when I told them that we were doing Tita Jokes at the Toronto Fringe, they all came because they're just yeah. like, oh man, I love comedy. And just like, I know you're a good singer. You're probably with other people who would, you're probably performing with other people that are good singers. And then um, just with the, with the course of the show, they felt like they had learned so much. I think, but I think that part of it is because they were already open to seeing, like, to seeing that because comedy has just felt a lot more familiar to them. And then they got to learn more about us and our culture in that too. So when I talked to Alia um, a couple weeks ago or however long ago, she had mentioned that Tita Jokes was the show y'all were working on before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. What has it been like to create the show, basically put it on ice for two years mm-hmm. and come back to it? Like, how oh, has it man. evolved? How has... how how have the five of you evolved in this it, <laughs> show? It has changed so much. Uh, it's actually really cool how you talked with Alia before uh, we did our run in Ottawa. And um, talking to me now, because like we just did it this past weekend. Um, <laughs> honestly, it felt a little weird kind of coming back because it's, a, it's where essentially we were, when we were rehearsing the Ottawa show or the Ottawa run and that RO, we were kind of stepping back into the versions of ourselves from two years ago before pandemic, mm-hmm. which was like, well, things have changed. A lot of things have changed. A lot of things needed to be updated. Um, so we really found like we wanted to be a lot more thoughtful about how we're like, how we're changing things. Like my... Like, my character is, uh, like, my Tita persona is Tita Baby. And before pandemic, her main POV was that, and, you know, this still holds true. She's kind of, like, the bridge between generations, both with, like, millennial and Gen Z and younger generations and relating to them. But then also, like, millennial and then Gen X boomers and the older generation, too. She's kind of, like, stuck in the, she's kind of, like, the in-between. And for her, a big thing was talking about climate change and climate action and how even talking about these really serious things, she's not really taken seriously because she's the young one. She's so cute. Look at her. Look at all these things that she's talking about. Um, There's definitely still an element of that to her. But when we did it in the Ottawa run, that main climate action sketch wasn't part of it. And... It ended up shifting like quite a bit and she actually ended up talking more about queerness because that's something that came up for me during the pandemic was mm-hmm. also just like coming to terms that I'm queer too. And that was like a big, like I know that was a big part of me and how it's kind of like my perspectives have changed. And yeah. we had talked about queerness before in other versions of the show, but I know that my relationship with it was a lot different. So it was nice to be able to get to explore that. And also, and I think for, probably for our run at Montreal, we might bring in a little more of this, just with, for the Ottawa run, we, we kind of ran out of time. But also in this version for Tita Baby, 
she's also the one that brings up the anti-Asian hate that's been happening over the past two years. Mm-hmm. That has just been also just ramping up and we're like, we can't, we can't not talk about it. You know, it's something that, that like, I know it affects all of us. It really affects our community and like, you know, seeing our, you know, the show is a love letter to our titas, to the elders in our community. How can we not talk about the hate that's been coming up against them? So, and though, and like that element, it sucks that, you know, anti-Asian hate isn't something that's new, but it absolutely ramped up in the public eye over the course of the pandemic. So it's, we've had to make some, we've had to shift a little bit to make room for the things that are affect us more now. And even like with our own like Tita personas thinking like, I'm not the version I was, I'm not the person I was two years ago. Stepping back into that version, you know, we were talking about shoehorning. Why are we trying to shoehorn ourselves into a past version of the show? Which, you know, we there's it still hold a lot of love for that character in that specific time. But, you know, the beauty of sketch comedy and how things can evolve and things can be punched up and, like, you know, we've grown. The show can grow, too. We've also realized that... Um, we made a very complex show with a lot of lighting cues and a lot of choreo and like when we were rehearsing it we also like we also got covid during like the, like uh we also got covid in the past like couple of months we're good now we're like recovered but then you know thankfully it was omicron so it was like more of like the milder one but it can still kind of take a it can still be a lot <laughs> to kind of work through and have an effect on your body and so if we're going through this choreo and we're just like, maybe I'm also out of practice, but why, why am I out of breath right now? <laughs> it's just like, you know, that whole thing about that I mentioned before about like the legally blonde being on my workout playlist so that I can actually get myself up to me like that. It's like, turns out we have to do that for our own damn show too. Um, so it also means maybe it's a matter of like simplifying some things so that they don't need to be too complicated. And maybe we just let the, like, maybe we just let the sketch and ourselves speak for itself in some places yeah yeah and i imagine that like just the two years of it and not only all the different things are happening in the world but like your experience as a creative person and you know adding two years of it like is enough to change totally like totally I mean, you could totally agree with that all like the you know the mission statements and like the the vibe and everything of the show itself but you've learned and grown and you're like oh why did we do it this way two years ago and that well, we can do it this way now like exactly it's it, it can be really refreshing to look back on it because we haven't really touched it in two years um also a nice thing that you know when we're all in isolation and we're just at home with all the multiple streaming services that you can have uh it's also a great time just to like actually kind of go back and like watch some comedy and some art like some artists and work that we really like so like over the pandemic we also revisited some of like the iconic like youtube comedians from like early 2010s that had such an impact on us and our humor but then also we got to watch like i finally caught up to key and peel <laughs> It was just like, this shit's so good! Or, like, um, Auntie Donna. We were obsessing about Auntie Donna for a little bit and just realized that, you know, we, like, our, 
like our humor has also grown the things that we find funny the things that we want to explore has also grown in the past two years i think the version of tita jokes from two years ago i do love it there are definitely some like absurd moments and some like really kind of more wild things out there that wouldn't really thought of but it definitely like it feels like that version feels pretty grounded which i also love i think there's a great it's great to have really grounded sketches and to go all the way to like there's some i can't believe what is this thing that is happening right now but then revisiting it for ottawa and also for montreal we're like let's get straight let's get weirder like we've just been craving it's like i want to do some weird shit that feels so <laughs> out of place and let's just go you know <laughs> so it's like and i don't think the version um I don't think the version of myself from two years ago would kind of be open to that. Right. Because it still feels or, very new. Or maybe even like ready or prepared to do that. Like yeah. to get weird. Like Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But now it's just like, nah man, let's do it. <laughs> let's get strange. It's fun to be strange and out <laughs> there that we yeah, we just didn't really maybe we just weren't ready to do it two years ago. But now, you know, like you said, we've grown as people. We've grown like art, like our tastes have definitely shifted and changed. Um, it's nice to get to grow with it. Yeah. Um, the one thing we didn't talk about, uh, since this is a sketch comedy podcast and I'm a little obsessed, Saturday Night yes. Live, I always ask yes. everyone uh, who would be your favorite SNL cast member? Oh my God. Like, all time current all time all okay. time oh historically <laughs> um honestly maybe it's recency bias bowen yang he's been coming up a lot recently. <laughs> um, i think after the titan like i've been a fan of bowen and that a sketch while, has been coming then, up a lot too <laughs> after that one i'm just like yep yep let's let's do it but like you know there's still like um yeah i think maybe it's just like recency bias is probably bowen yang um although i do maybe it's also just like recency bias because i was just was like binge watching barry but like bill Hader mm -hmm. is also be a great one and like ah uh, i think also yeah now i'm now i'm just thinking it was like oh yes and now now um I also love Sashir Zameda. I think she's hilarious. Uh, but I've been watching a lot more of like her stand-up, but I also listen to her podcast. So <laughs> I literally was listening to the podcast yesterday. Shashir's one of those the one of the performers on the show when she decided to leave the show after and I think she was only on for like four seasons. Yeah. There was a part I was like, no, you're not done yet. Like but she's so like, good. She's so like, funny. Like, she's so electric. It, it's one of those things that was like yeah like i understand there's tons of other things you're gonna do and you're gonna be fantastic but you're not done on snow yet like i want i want more of you i wasn't done this, with you yeah like <laughs> i want more of you in this program right right i mean i am glad that she's doing other like great projects and stuff too like and her podcast with nicole Byer is like fucking one of my favorite things mm. it's just i have been I fully would just like I'll sometimes listen to podcasts while I'm taking a shower and I'll just be like cackling and when I get out of the bathroom my partner's like what are you okay I'm just like oh just listen to the like to that best friends podcast it's fine 
but those are yeah probably like those are like my top three ones great choices yeah, how could you not how could you not bring up snl on them <laughs> yeah i mean it'd be it'd be weird to host a sketch comedy podcast and oh also just because i was i was thinking about this a little earlier today too um how many times have people brought up all that as like their not I know that a was lot like, that was like my first I'm, intro I'm, yeah yeah it's not like because I, I i forget who it was but they brought it up and i was like i hadn't i hadn't thought about necessarily like the the nickelodeon shows but then i was like thinking about it and a lot of those like animated kids shows feel rooted in sketch comedy like oh totally like Like, i thought like all that was fully like a sketch comedy show for kids well i mean all that definitely is but like yeah like even shows like animaniacs and pinking the brain like Mm. those kinds of shows where they are very segmented telling a story per act on the show like yeah that's entirely like those little like interstitials that they do they're just blackout sketches absolutely just just drawn kids programming is like a lot smarter than we think sometimes also the yeah (laughs) maybe just like me bias towards some of the ones that were like okay you could tell like a lot of thought went into those but i fully agree that there is roots of sketch comedy in there yeah yeah no i um i think all that was definitely like my first foray into sketch that i didn't realize was a thing yeah just like this is the show that i like watching when i come home the whole like with the really great intro and everybody's like slow-mo jumping in the air yeah, I mean, all, all that. I didn't have much experience with all that because I was deprived and didn't have cable growing up. But, like, I probably would have been oh, totally yeah. on board <laughs> as a kid, I mean, for sure. Like, th- like, things grew from all that, too, which is, like, great. So it's, like, a spinoff of this because I think, what was the... Uh... Oh, Kieran and Kel had a sitcom coming out of it. Amanda Bynes had a show coming out of it. Like, Yeah. Yeah, it definitely. Sakes, it's like, Kieran's still on, is still on sketch right now. It, uh, yeah, it definitely has permanent permeate it throughout the the world um Mm -hmm. and as we're wrapping up uh okay so so we mentioned with tita jokes and how it's changed over the the two years you know of the pandemic what's something that you've learned about comedy that you'd pass on to a new writer honestly um don't shy away from your pov and your voice there was something like if you are writing you have it if you have like a pitch or an idea for a sketch or a show or something don't forget the what's the thing that sparked it in the first place because that's gonna actually give you a lot more strength and power and it's gonna ground you in a really good way that can keep you going throughout the whole writing process uh but also it's a little bit of like a advice for younger me too it's just like your voice is powerful you have a like what you have to say is important don't forget that it's wild that you're not the first person that brought that up in this run of episodes. Like it, and people, <laughs> I guess we're all thinking about it now, like more than I had before. I think a big th- the big thing too is also just the intention. I know that's something that I yeah. come back to a lot. Like, sure, you can. Sometimes it is fun to write a funny thing just for the fun of writing a funny thing. That's an intention. Yeah, that's cool. But also, when you come with the intention of writing from this specific point of view or from this specific voice or experience it's also just like that's really valid it's going to give you a lot to go off of and yeah i guess the big thing is just like don't invalidate your experiences your voice is important and just remember 
that remember that POV because that's just going to help you in the long run. Anybody could come see your show. Like, sure, yeah. we wrote it for us and we wrote it for our community, but it doesn't mean that like that's the only people we want to come see it. Like, I remember when we did, like in um when we did our fringe run back in twenty nineteen, um, and we had a lot of like you know non Filipino folks come to the show. We have this one sketch about um titas in church because they like to gossip, and that one came so like uh, it's such a specific. POV, but it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with like the more specific you get the more universal it is mm. and a friend of mine who's um like came to the show and his grandparents immigrated from italy to canada um but he you know grew up going to church with his family with his mom and with his aunts and all that and like that sketch for him was just like i know it was about you know your filipino titas but those gossiping aunties are just like my Italian was. So it's just like, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's just like, right? So yeah. there's so many different, I'd like to think that there's a lot of different avenues and places where you can come into the show and maybe you'll, maybe you'll have a similar experience or you're like, oh, well, I know that POV or I can understand where this person is coming from. And that's a nice way for you to get to like relate to the show. But also, if you don't have any context, well, you're just learning something new. Yep. Yeah. And and finally, uh, we talked about, you know, you being a musical theater kid, doing improv in high school, and then finding this collective, uh, the Tita Collective, with people that you encountered in various auditions and other shows that you've worked on. And we, and we talked about this a little bit, but, you know, fuller answer maybe uh why comedy for one thing it's it's still new to me it's a it's still a scene that i feel like i'm fairly new to and i feel like i'm learning a whole lot about it i'm learning a lot more about like the craft of sketch comedy but also going to improv but i have like a i think since starting to do comedy with the tj collective has been really eye-opening and i'm feel like i'm just learning so much from that and i've always loved like you know i've loved comedy since i was a kid just talked about how all that was like formative for me mm-hmm. and even just like the shows and the musicals that i would watch it just seems really accessible but also comedy is just fun it's a place <laughs> where i feel like i can be me i can be weird i like i feel there's definitely like you know there's in any kind of like arts discipline there's always going to be like a little bit of judgment coming but like i come from or like i have a lot of experience in working in theater which is you know it's still fun but there's like a level of like seriousness to it there's more work there's, there's a lot more work there's a lot but it's it gets it's like very introspective it's very like, like this is the craft and you know sometimes it gets to be like this is theater Whereas, like, I feel comedy is so, and especially doing comedy with the Tita Collective, with my sisters who know me, and I just feel like I can, like, authentically be myself, and get to be so playful, and honestly, I have permission to break, and I have permission to laugh. Mm -hmm. Like, there's something really refreshing about that that I really like. It just feels like a... It feels like another authentic version of myself when I'm doing comedy with the Titas. 
It's like, if we break, we know the audience has got our back, and that's cool, because that's sketch, and it happens. Hell, it's even funnier for the audience to see that we're breaking, because they also know that we're having such a fun time doing it. It feels a lot like a more of a like reciprocal relationship with the audience, because it kind of feels like we're bringing them into this, too. I love theater, and there's so many different... There's a, you know, there's still like a reciprocal relationship with that, but I feel like with comedy, it feels a lot more like a fam jam. Yeah, I always thought, like, whenever I talk to people that have like theater experience, like in, in more dramatic things, I always like, how do you know that this is working? <laughs> you know, in, in dramatic plays versus, <laughs> oh, we know when comedy's working way more, think- like yeah i think with when it's like more dramatic stuff it's like you kind of just have to trust that the that what you're doing is right and that it is working and sometimes the feedback isn't as instant maybe you'll talk to the audience afterwards like hey so this thing what did you think about it and you'll hear about it then but i love how instantaneous it is with comedy it was like all right we know that's working yeah Let's keep a laugh that. is a laugh versus like the applause at the end of the act like Exactly. And I think it's just also as an audience member, it's a lot more freeing too. Like, I never have to worry about being shushed when I'm laughing <laughs> a lot at something whenever I'm going to go see a comedy show versus like, I've definitely been to a fair share of plays or other theater where I've been a little bit too loud and towards like, oh, nope, that's just my laugh echoing throughout the theater. This feels <laughs> awkward now. Okay. Yeah, that... it's like comedy is like I don't care. Also, my <laughs> whenever we do our shows and we know, like we can tell when there are Filipinos in the crowd because they will be so loud. They will be so loud about it, and we're like, "There's a tita in the audience," or it's like, "Nope, that's that's my tita." I can hear her <laughs> laughter, and it's nice to know that too. All right. Yeah, no, I, lo- I comedy is a lot of fun. I'm glad to be part of it. <laughs> Thanks, Mary Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Mary Chris and the rest of Tita Collective are heading to Montreal Sketchfest to perform new material on Friday, May 13th, and their show Tita Jokes on May 15th. MontrealSketchFest.com for more on those shows. Then heading to Peterborough on May 20th to perform on the Wow Weekend Comedy Tour with Ernesti Danellis. You can head to TitaCollective.com. For all their information, you can follow Tita.Collective on Instagram and find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Collective. Don't forget Sketchybator, the online sketch comedy open mic that I host, will be back on Zoom on June 3rd, 10 p.m. in the East, 7 p.m. in the West. Check out Sketchybator.com for more information. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. And go see some comedy. Or live music. That's cool, too. Are you a fan of sketch comedy like Monty Python, Key and Peele, and Saturday Night Live? Have you ever wondered why their sketches are funny? Or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh? On the comedy podcast Sketch Nerds, we aim to answer those questions 
while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Where there's lightning, there's thunder. Where there's trouble, there's Donder. Meet Donder. I'm Donder. A.K.A. Jeff. Maybe we can work together someday. That would be a dream come true. Jeff wants to be a superhero. You got a pen? Uh, uh, yeah, in my fanny pack. But he's not very super. Hey-o. He has one chance to prove himself. My name is Candace. I'm with the Nondescript. That's the biggest super agency in the city. But will that be enough? What if I'm not very good at picking teammates? Here's the plan. I punch him. Then I punch him. I'll pull off his penis and punch him in the balls with it. When we put so much into becoming someone we never become, we forget one important thing. I've been chasing one thing for so long, I, I don't even know who I am without it. We never stop becoming. Listen to Tights on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher.